Chapter four. Chapter four. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, John chapter four. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start in verse number 31. Oh, she walked back by herself. Nice. Yeah, no. John chapter 4. She's an advanced baby. John chapter 4. Uh, you guys glad to be in church this morning? Amen. Amen. It is good to be in church. I'm thankful to be here. Uh, we are going to uh, be uh, continuing our journey through the gospel of John. So I don't know if you guys read between the lines, but Brother Eric said it's kind of quiet. Everybody's ready for church. I think what he meant to say was, with Joe not being here, uh, the loudmouth is gone. That's what I thought he's, that's, you know, um, and I, I didn't say that. I'm just interpreting what he said. Uh, so uh, anyways, if you guys would uh, pray for uh, Joe and uh, Ariana and Isabella are on their way to Chicago right now, and Lenny will be leaving later today. Lenny goes, I'm going to Africa, but before I go, I, I need one more shot of New Heights Baptist Church. <laughs> Uh, my own kids didn't want one more shot of me, but, but Lenny did. So uh, John chapter number four, going verse by verse, starting in verse number 31. And uh, really, really thankful to be with you all this morning. I got to tell you, I missed my church when I was away over the last couple of weeks. And I am very, very, very glad to be here with you all. Uh, we got some folks getting baptized. If you haven't noticed, we got a big uh, trough ready to go. And, uh, you know, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch said, what doth hinder me to be baptized? You remember what the answer was? Uh, if thou believest. You know what that reminds us of? The fact that baptism is not for your salvation. Baptism is because of your salvation. All right? Uh, and uh, so John chapter 4, let's go to verse number 31. And uh, we know this is uh, uh, kind of what's going on here is that, that Jesus Christ is dealing with this woman at the well. We talked about that at length. Um, and uh, what, what you see ultimately uh, is that in regards to this woman, the Lord has dealt with her. He's revealed some things to her. And uh, now she's going to go into town and tell all the men, hey, there's a man that told me all things that ever I did. And, and shortly, they're all going to come out. The city's going to come out to the well and meet the Lord there. And they're going to uh, learn some things from him. But there's this parenthetical moment where the disciples come back. So, so where this starts is the disciples leave the Lord at the well, and he's thirsty, and they go to get food. Right. And and so as they're going to get food, the Lord is talking with this woman. And it's really a good reminder that in everyday life, you don't need a perfect circumstance to witness for Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you're waiting for one, I got news for you. It's never coming. Right. Take advantage of everyday life and everyday moments uh, uh, to to give out the word of God to give out truth. And God will bless that. So the Lord is there at this well waiting for water. And, and this woman comes. And of course, he never gets a drop to drink because he's more interested in her well-being than his own. You know what the Lord shows us over and over and over? The best life, listen to me, is not one that's spent being consumed with yourself. It, it, it's one that's invested first in God and your relationship with him. And secondly, in the pursuit of others for the sake of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the Lord uh, uh, is here at this well. The disciples have come back. They're bringing back uh, some Chick-fil-A. Amen. This is uh, what they're doing. They're bringing back some food. Uh, look at verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? In other words, who, who brought him food? Because, I mean, we're the ones that he told. Have you ever been, maybe I've asked you to do something around here, and then you realize someone else did it. And you're like, hey, 
He told me I'm supposed to be doing this, right? And so the disciples are like, well, what in the world just happened? The Lord is the one that just sent us to go get food. We brought it, and now he's saying he's not hungry. What's going on? Uh, Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 34. Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to what? Finish his work. Can I, can I just get this, this thought across? We're going to hit this thought again in the morning message. Uh, but it's not so much about how you start as much as it is how you finish. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now that if you want to finish your life the right way, fulfilled, you have got to come to a place, I'm going to say it again, where you get over, and I, I'm, I'm trying to say this as graciously as I can. I, I don't know another way to say it. You have to get over yourself. And you have to look past yourself. And you have to look at, at really uh, the, the bigger picture, which is what does God want? And so you're going to find this theme over and over and over in the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the Bible says in the Gospel of John, later on we're going to get to it, I do always the things that please the Father. He is invested in what does the Father want? What does my Father want? That's where my eyes are. My eyes aren't on people and what they think and what they say. If your eyes are on people and you're trying to serve God, you're not going to do it for a very long time. Because you're going to find that people fail you and people will reject you and people are going to say one thing and they're not going to do it and are not always committed and they don't always keep their word. But, but, but Jesus kept his eyes on the Father. So he's going, look guys, uh, I've got something to do and it transcends the temporary need for food right now. Uh, look if you would at verse number uh, 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that, reapeth, uh, he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit in a life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. Talking about sowing and reaping, look at verse 38. I sent you to reap there whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. Now we're going back to the, the woman and, and the city. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And many more believed because of his own word. Now I say we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the subject of two days and how significant that is. It's not a, uh, there, there are details that are given in the Gospels, and, and they're there for a reason. Don't just pass by and go, well, they're there for two days. Why does that matter? It's significant for a reason. We'll look at why. Uh, look at verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. In other words, they were believing the woman's word. Now they're meeting Jesus face to face and they're going, okay, there is something different about this man. Uh, and by the way, that's our job. Our job is not to point people to us and what we want and what we like. And um, to be honest with you, I think one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, blessings I have found uh, in, in our church is that we're all very different. Look around the room. We are all very different. Come from different backgrounds, different lives. Uh, but you know, you know it, it's not so much about making each other like each other as much as it is pointing each other to Jesus Christ. Because if you can get people to Jesus, then you'll say, what are you doing here this morning? Good to have you, brother. I'm sorry, I heard amen from over here, and I'm like, what? That's normally not until Wednesday night. Praise God, it's good to see you. All right. All right, he's not backslidden. He's a policeman. He's not normally here on Sundays. It's good to have him. Praise God. All right, uh, look at verse number 42. Uh, and, and they said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And th- this is what we want. We want people to hear from Jesus themselves. All right. And, and it says this, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And after two days, he departed thence and went back into Galilee up north. And for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in 
his own country. Let's go ahead and ask God's blessing on the word this morning. Brother Jose, if you do that for us, appreciate it. Amen. 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 Uh, brother, can you help me out with some? I'm going to need to flip this over. So let's do this. Let's see. How many Hispanic men does it take <laughs> to turn a board? Let's go. He's got this. All right. Move this. Move the chair. Move this. How about this? Now this is getting fun. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. We did it. All right. Thank you. All right. Everybody give him a round of applause. Good job, Brother Jose. All right. <laughs> He's like, I'm never coming back here again. Um, all right, so I, I want to uh, point out to you that in the Bible, uh, as we're looking here at John chapter 4, uh, there, there are things you'll hear preachers refer to this, and what they'll refer to is uh, typology. Or they'll say, this thing is a type of this. All right, uh, for example, today we've got someone that's going to be getting baptized. Uh, we got four people, technically, that are getting baptized, and praise God for that. That's a blessing. You guys never, never, ever get to the place where you're like, oh, someone got saved, someone's getting baptized. You ought to be excited because there's a lot of churches where people aren't getting saved, they're not getting discipled, they're not getting baptized. We're blessed, and I'm not saying this to pat ourselves on the back, but to say, God, thank you so much. Um, that said, when, when someone gets baptized, you know what it is? Now, are you guys ready for some real art? You guys ready for this? Here we go. This right here. All right, this is a lost person. How do you know? Oh, look at that. All right, but then they get saved, all right? And then look at that, there's, there's life. And if they're, you know, Latino, they got lots of gel in their hair, you know? And, and they, they spray a lot of cologne on themselves, you know? And so there's that. There's a saved Puerto Rican right there, right? Uh, and so what, what, you, what you've got, though, when someone gets saved is this. Essentially, as far as God is concerned, what happens is you now have... Uh, uh, two lives. And what you have is you've got an old man and you've got a new man. And the Bible refers to that. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, all right, he is a new what? Creature. Creature. Amen. We've got lots of creatures running around. You just want to be a new one, right? And so if you are in Christ, here's what's really amazing about this. All right, if you are in Christ, which uh, you'll see that phrase over and over and over and over, uh, especially in the writings that Paul's uh, letters that Paul sends to the churches. Uh, uh, how about this? Uh, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. You know what that's Romans chapter number eight. All right. Uh, and so in Christ, there's all kinds of promises and blessings. If you're not saved, you don't need to get baptized. You don't need to join our church. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you need to be born again, like Jesus said. Well, once that happens, it's not just a matter of you being in Christ. It's a matter of Christ being in you, all right? So the new man is basically uh, a, a, a complete, I'll use this word, all right, a complete immersion. You say, what's immersion? Well, basically what it is is being buried in something, being completely submerged, all right? Or we can say uh, buried in it. Uh, you could say uh, immersed. And you know what else you could say? Baptized. Because when you are in Christ, guess what? Christ is in you, and your life is now hid with Christ in God. All right? So that is what we would call rightly dividing between the old man and the new man. This is the new man which you have in Jesus Christ. You know what this is? This is your soul. 
All right? As far as God is concerned, it's like you're practically already in heaven. We are seated together in heavenly places with Christ. All right? but, but let's talk about the reality. Let's talk about the carcass that you had to drag out of bed this morning. Can I get a witness? The, the thing that said, I need coffee! Right? That thing? All right. No, no, no. Let, let, let's be honest. Uh, when, you may not scream like that. Uh, when you're a baby, they do. My baby, does, my baby never wakes up and says, good morning, Dad. How are you? You know what she does? Ah! And I'm convinced if she had a gun, she'd shoot me if she could. Because, because she's, all she's thinking about is, I want food. Give it to me now. And that's all that her little mind can understand is that I've got a need, so I'm going to make some noise. All right? You say, what is that, though? Generally, that's just what we call the flesh. When you get saved, your flesh is still there. And, and you may not scream like, I hope to goodness, if you're married, you don't scream at your spouse. I didn't got that! Don't do that, all right? You're going to have a rough marriage. But, uh, but my, my wife, it's a little more like this, all right? It's like, coffee, coffee. And then I bring it to her, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, good morning, honey. Whoa, okay. All right? Uh, but, but basically what you have is you got these two things that are competing. The old man, right, which you had the moment you were born. That nature, me first, you next. Uh, and then you have the new man, Christ in you, and they're constantly competing. Now, some of you that have been down this road, you know this. Uh, the old analogy, I would draw it, except for you can already see my art, and if that's what a human looks like, can you imagine what I'd draw a dog like? It would be like a circle. You know what? Let's do it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right? So this is, I don't know. Let's see here. Is this a, is that a sheep? Is that a dog? Is it a... Anyway, so you've got the old man and the new man, and the, the analogy, people that can actually draw, what they'll do is they'll, they'll draw, you know, a white dog and a black dog, and they'll say, these are your two natures competing against each other, the old man, the new man, right? And, and so basically what you have is if you expose yourself to what the old man wants all the time, you know what you're going to live with? Doubting your salvation. Uh, disinterest in spiritual things. A reaping in the flesh. Because when you sow in the flesh, you reap to the flesh. All right? Uh, the Bible says, Whatsoever man soweth, therefore, that, there shall he also reap. So you be, be careful. Uh, so, so basically what you've got is you've got these two natures. Now, what baptism has to do with this is this. When, the new, when you got saved, as far as God is concerned, all right, the old man was buried. As far as God is concerned. Not as far as your spouse, not your boss, not your family. They're dealing with you in the flesh. Okay? So if you're being a jerk, don't be like, hey, I'm just a new man now. Leave me alone. Like, you've got you to gotta, you gotta understand there's, there's two sides to this. There's the eternal aspect, and there's the temporal current aspect of your life. Does this make sense? All right? And, and so basically, the old man is buried. We're going to get rid of the dog or sheep or pig or whatever that was. And, and what happens? All right, well, this thing's buried, but it doesn't stay buried. Well, what did Jesus Christ do? Well, he arose. Thank God for that. He's not Buddha. He's not Muhammad. He's not, you know, uh, Mary Ellen Glover Patterson White, whatever her name was, a Christian scientist person, uh, all, Joseph Smith and the rest of them. I'm not picking on people, but you know what I know about everyone else that's ever lived on this planet? They're all going to do what I'm going to do, and that's die. And they're going to stay dead. But you know what Jesus Christ did? Three days later, he up from the grave. He, and th- isn't that good? He's, he's alive. So, so basically, what he says is that Christ is the first fruits. We'll talk about resurrection and harvest in a little bit. He's the one that paved the way for us to, to be able to experience a resurrected life. Now, that applies in two ways. The resurrected life is now. 
right now, if you're in Christ, you're living a resurrected life. Because the old man, as far as God is concerned, and there's a new man, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you know what he's trying to do? Christ is trying to break out. And, and I'll say it this way. There's a lot of stuff coming out of the closet these days, and maybe you should stay in the closet. I don't know. But I'll say this. Christ in you is trying to get out. You know what's keeping him out, stuck in there? You know what, what keeps him uh, from the rest of the world from seeing him in your life? You. Your old man. Well, what will they think of me? I'm going to get embarrassed. I don't want to do it. What, what happens if it doesn't work? And I don't want to, not living by faith. The list goes on. All right, but, but the idea is this. You've got two natures. Well, when you got saved, God said, okay, as far as I'm concerned, this is gone. Because if God didn't do that, you could lose your salvation. God goes, the only thing I see in you is my son. The old illustration goes a little something like this, all right? And I'll tell people this sometimes if I'm talking to somebody about their salvation. I'll often say, okay, let's just say that this is, uh, this is your life. And let's say that there's, you know, sin that has tainted your life. And there's, there's your life tainted with sin. All right, when God looks at you as a lost person and he sees uh, you as a lost person and he sees this, you know what he sees? He sees sin. All right, now, borrow your Bible real quick, sis. Is that Okay. All right, so, so this right here is the life of Jesus Christ. And you know what you have? You have a sinless record. And look at all that he accomplished in 33. Can you imagine? In Really, in three and a half years of ministry, he turned the world upside down. And uh, what an amazing thing. But when God the Father looks at the record of Jesus Christ, you know what he sees? Sinlessness. Now, before I was saved, what did he see? He saw sin. Well, when I get saved, you know what happens? He places me in Christ. Amen. What does he see now? He sees Christ in me. And the devil goes, didn't you see what he said? Didn't you see what he looked at? Didn't you see what he, saw, what he was acting? Didn't you see how he talked to that person? Didn't you? And the Lord's like, I don't see anything. All I see is the sinlessness of my son on his life. I, I don't know. Uh, Jesus, would you come over? I can't say, I don't see anything either. It looks good to me. Thank God for that. <laughs> All right. Now, now, what that is, is that is the, being able to rightly divide, get that thing out of there, wherever it may be. Good luck fishing that out. Uh, but what... what what, you, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that as far as God is concerned, what he sees is he sees this. He sees the new man. All right, well, when you got saved, all right, this is the, what the Bible calls, go to Colossians 2 real quickly. It's what the Bible calls the operation of God made without hands. We're going to get right back to the lesson here in a moment, but I'm trying to teach you something about typology. Um, and what, what types are is they are a picture of something or a symbol of something else. They are not necessarily the substance but they point us to the substance, right? So, so for example, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, by the way, if, if you're ever looking in the Old Testament to try to see people that might point us to the person of Jesus Christ, that might remind us of his life, uh, we'll say this person is a type of Jesus Christ. In other words, they, they point by things that are going on in their life that we're reading the Bible in the Old Testament, they remind us of things that Jesus Christ experienced in the New Testament. Uh, there's no character in the Old Testament that has more moments of typology or symbolism in their life that remind us of Jesus in the person of Joseph. Uh, and so we're going to get into Joseph a little bit this morning, the morning message as well. We're going to talk about rejection and what a great example of someone that was rejected. But look at Colossians 2 and uh, look if you would down around, I think it's verse number, let me look here, verse number 9. Uh, verse number 9 and look at verse number 9, look at verse number 10. And as you scroll on down through there, you're going to see something really interesting. All right, and there's two words I want you to, to kind of look at. Uh, actually, maybe, maybe three. Look at Colossians 2 and look down, if you would, at verse number 
uh, 11. In whom also ye are what? Now, let's go back to the very beginning of Colossians, and let's look at who is, who is Paul talking to. Uh, look, if you would, at verse, uh, Colossians 1, verse number 2. Uh, that is not a reference to just men. This is men and women that are called brethren. Now, you may go, well, that's because we don't call them sisterin, all right? We call each other uh, brothers in Christ, even if it's a female. We, we may say sister, but when we say the brethren, we're talking about those that are born again and adopted into the family of God, which, by the way, if you're accepted of God, you don't need to be accepted by anybody else. That, that is the ultimate acceptance if everybody else rejects you. But, but, but I want you to understand, Paul is not writing specifically just to men. All right? Can we agree on that? All right? So he talks about the saints and the brethren. Those are, that's everyone that's saved. All right? So to, to believers, he writes this letter. So let's go back to Colossians 2. When he talks about circumcision, understand this is not physical in nature. All right? Uh, we're not going to do a, a, a class on what this, you know, what circumcision is. I'm sure everybody knows. We're adults here. But understand this much. This is not physical in nature because he's writing to an audience that is both male and female. So look, if you would, at verse number 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in what? All right, keep on reading there. Do you find the phrase operation of God in that verse? All right, so you know what you have? You've got these three things, and they're lumped together. All right, so, and, and, and I'm not going to go through all of this necessarily uh, right now, but let me just say this much. What you have is you've got, you have the Lord separating the old from the new. He takes the body and says, you know what, body? You're always going to be trouble. You've been trouble since the day you were born. And because of sin, and so I'm going to separate you from the eternal part of Adrian, the soul. And so, you know what? Thank God, the body and the soul don't touch anymore, because if they did, I would lose my salvation. God separates them, so I can't lose my salvation. All right, well, he talks about this, and he also calls it an operation. Interesting terminology there. It's a spiritual operation that God does, made without hands. Uh, there's another place where the phrase without hands shows up. It's in the book of Daniel, where it talks about a stone being cut without hands, and it comes down and smashes the kingdoms of this earth, and that stone is our rock, Jesus Christ, all right, born of a virgin, right? And then it calls this, this all these, these words are synonymous in the passage, he calls it baptism. Why is that? Because it's a spiritual baptism, we're not going to have you turn there, but if you want to read about that more, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can learn about a spiritual baptism, not a physical one. Now, why did I go through all this? Because this is the substance. Spiritual baptism is equated with salvation. The moment you get saved, God says, old man is gone, new man is risen to walk in newness of life. I've separated them eternally so they don't touch each other. And you know what? Now you are fully immersed in Christ. You are in Christ and Christ is in you and you are raised to walk a new life. That happened the moment you got saved. And if you're not saved yet, you know what is, what's awesome? Going to sleep at night knowing that heaven's your home, God is your father and your sins are forgiven. Yeah. It's great. And you know, you know what the Lord does? He says, I'm going to separate your sins as far as the east is from the west from my righteousness. Thank God for all of that. So the Lord does this spiritually. And you know what? This is the substance. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The substance... That's a bad marker. The substance is spiritual baptism. All right? Which is essentially your salvation. All right, it's the old man getting uh, in God's eyes being rid, uh, getting rid of, and the new man being raised to walk in newness of life. Well, here's the question, 
Uh, go to Ephesians 4, and uh, probably toward the beginning of the chapter, you're going to read a, a verse. Tell me what, what verse it is. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 5, do you see that? One Lord, one faith, one what? Yeah, but, but there's more than one. But he says there's one. Oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible. No, no, what it is is in regards to your salvation, there's only one that matters. If, if the Seronios who've traveled a long way to get baptized, amen, from Africa, if, if, if they never got baptized like they're going to do physically today, they're still going to heaven when they die. All right, because why? They've been spiritually baptized. Their old man is gone, and they're, they're risen to walk in newness of life. Christ is living in them. That's the blessing of salvation. However, what the physical does is the physical points to a more deep truth. So why are they getting baptized today? To get wet? No. To wash away their sins? Absolutely not. You know why they're getting uh, baptized today? To point to what happened on the inside. They're getting baptized, and what they're going to do is they're going to get in the water, and they're going to go down, and they're going to come back up, and they're going to express on the outside what happened on the inside when they got saved. Make sense? So, so you know what, you know what we're, we're seeing here? This is a picture of something. It is a type of something, all right? So I said all of that to, to get you to understand. I want you to go to your Old Testament for just a moment. I want you to learn about these two brothers, uh, Jacob and Esau. You say, what does it in the world does have to do with the gospel of John? Uh, I'll, I'll make it clear in a moment. But remember that Jesus Christ is talking about meat to eat that we know not of. Do you realize that food gets us into trouble? Can I get a, oh, come on now. Some of you that aren't like, you know, 21 should be amen to me right now. All right, because when you're in your 20s, you can eat like a garbage disposal. Like my brother, my brother Steon here, that guy eats like, you wouldn't believe it. You, you'd look at us and you'd think, oh, brother, hey, Pastor Adrian, he's the one that eats like a horse. Not me, man. This guy makes me look like a Girl Scout. I, I seen the guy eat and after, after what I thought was dinner, he's like, where's the rest of it? You know, and I mean, he can pack it away. When you're in your 20s, you can do that. You're a teenager, you can do that. You get in your 40s, you look at a donut, it's like five pounds, boom, right there, right? So, so, so what, I'm, what I'm getting is food gets us into trouble. Let me ask you a question if you don't believe what I'm saying. First, first uh, issue in the Bible with humanity, what does it involve? Something being put in here. So, so there's, there's, and, and there's this thread all through your Bible. People will do anything when they think they're going to be without food. Uh, anybody ever studied the Great Depression that happened 100 years ago here in the United States? All right, let me tell you right now, if we went through that right now, you'd have a bloody mess on your hands because you don't have the character in America that you did 100 years ago. All right, 100 years ago, listen, I was talking to Brother Tim about this yesterday. Uh, people were spanking their kids when the people themselves were starving without food and the kids would go steal food. They'd spank their kids for stealing food. Now you've got grown adults packing their carts full of stuff at Walmart and trying to walk out with it. You're not. That, that, that would never fly today. If we ever had to go through that, you better pray for mercy on our country, guys. You ought to do that. Pray that God has mercy on us and allows us to continue to preach the gospel. Uh, but, but what I'm getting at is this. Uh, when people go without food, they'll do all kinds of stuff. Abraham and his family, they get, there's a famine, so what do they do? They go to Egypt. All right? And you see this theme all throughout your Bible. Uh, well, there's these two characters in the, in the uh, book of Genesis and uh, Jacob, of course, we know that oftentimes Jacob is a picture of the flesh, all right? And that's one aspect of Jacob's life. Uh, but there's another aspect of Jacob's life, 
All right. And yes, Jacob lies and Jacob deceives and Jacob supplants. And I mean, the guy's name means liar, right? <laughs> Can you? Sorry, if your kid's named Jacob, I still love them. And I don't think they're automatically a liar. OK, <laughs> don't don't look at the guy in the corner. <laughs> Leave him alone. He came to church today. He's not only here. Leave the man alone. All right. So so but there's another side to Jacob and it's a good side. It's a good side. And, and I'll tell you what it is. Jacob wants something. He wants spiritual blessings. He wants something from God. What about his brother? No, no, listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Jacob always goes about it the right way. As a matter of fact, he gets his hand slapped quite a bit, and he goes through a lot of grief at the end of his life when he's standing before Pharaoh. Uh, if Pharaoh says, okay, I want to hear your testimony, he goes, well, few and evil have been the days or the years of my pilgrimage. How, how old was that guy? Over 100 and he goes, few and evil have been the days of the years of my, evil meaning troublesome. You know, like, like who lives 100 plus years and goes, I've, I've not been here that long. You know what he's saying? Oh, I've been here a while, but man, I missed a lot of it from the way it should have been. Now, 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 but that was because of how he went about trying to get the blessing. However, I will say this about Jacob. He wants something from God. Now, let's look at his brother. Look at Genesis chapter number 25. You say, I, Pastor, I still fail to see what this has to do with John chapter 4. Meat to eat that you know not of. Bear with me. We're going to make sense of it here in just a little bit. Uh, Genesis chapter 25. Um, and, uh, oh, that's not the one. I don't think that's it. Uh, nope, nope, that's not it. Sorry, guys. Uh, it would be uh, Genesis chapter, I think maybe 27. Is it 27? Yeah, 27. Um, let's look here. Actually, no, let's go back to 25. Sorry, guys, false alarm. All right, uh, look at chapter 25, and look, if you would, at, uh, oh, let's see, verse 24. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like, like a hairy garment. You know, he's just got hair all over his body. And, uh, and they called his name Esau which means red one, right? He's, he's kind of covered with hair. Uh, and after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. Right away, Jacob's a go-getter. From the beginning, he's reaching out and grabbing whatever he can. Do you see that? God puts that detail in there for a reason. All right? Uh, well, I mean, think about it. A, a book, 66 books. And, and, and one verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Profound, eternal truth. Another verse says, This guy grabbed his brother's heel at birth. You think God put that in there for no reason? My son on the way to church, Preston sitting in the back seat, I said, Son, where are you at? First Chronicles chapter 8. And I just started laughing. And uh, he goes, Yeah, I'm not sure if I understand all this. I said, Just keep reading. Uh, there's things in Chronicles, even as an adult, you go, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and boy, there's a lot of names. Let's go to chapter 25, right? Um, but look, if you would, here. I want you to see something. Look at uh, verse number 27. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the what? All right. Do you know what Jesus Christ says over in the Gospels when he's talking to his disciples and he gives these parables? He says, the field is the, anybody remember? The world. So Esau's a man of the field. You know what it's a picture of? It's a picture of just living life in this world. It's someone that just lives for whatever the world has to offer. If I can do it now, I'll do it. 
Now, I know that, you know, you're only, you, know, you only live once and all that kind of, yeah, that, that's true, but let's flip it around. You only live once, and you're going to give an account for it, so you be careful with what you do with the one time you got, yeah. all right? So, so basically, you know what, what you see here is that Esau go, is someone we're going to find out. All he cares about is sustaining himself in this life. There's no thought about what after. There's no thought about God. It's just like right now, what can I do for myself? What can I get out of this world? I'll put it that way. Let, let's keep reading. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number uh, 28. And Isaac loved Esau because, and by the way, you're going to find over and over these dads that love one kid over the other. It never ends well. So don't do that. Love all your kids equally. All right? Uh, discipline them all equally. All right? And, uh, and, and you know, I know some of you are thinking, we're going to watch you, Pastor. We'll see how you do with Olivia. Yeah, I know. Pray for me, okay? Pray for me. Uh, but, but look, if you would, uh, down here at verse number uh, 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from where? Picture of the world. You know what the world does? It wears you out. What was it? He was faint. Now, now in the physical, he's going out, and he's hunting, and he's doing his thing, and he comes home tired. That's, the real, that's the, what's going on in the narrative. But the picture is you go out and live for the world, you're going to come back tired. You're going to come back wore out. You're going to come back with baggage. Oh, I'm going to just enjoy my youth. Well, be careful how you enjoy it because you might have to pay for that for the rest of your life. All right, look if you would at verse number uh, 31. I'm sorry, verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me. You know what the, the person that lives for this world wants? I just want my physical needs met. It's all about the physical. How much money can I make? Uh, it's not, I'm not even saying all sinful. How much money can I make? Uh, what level of education can I have? What kind of job can I have? Uh, I want to have the nicest house. I, I'm not even saying those things are bad. Don't misunderstand me. Those are, often, those are good things when God's blessing you with them. But if those are the things that you're going after, remember the words of Jesus Christ. If you're a born-again child of God, he says this, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, don't just live for what the world has to offer. Think about the one to come. Esau doesn't do that. Esau is about taking care of what I want right now. What can I get out of the world? So I go and I live for the world. Then I come back and I go, man, I'm wore out. I'm faint. Feed me. Now look what, look what happens here. Look at verse number uh, 31. Uh, he's faint. Uh, verse 31. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, he's the firstborn. There's some stuff there that is his that he should not be selling. Uh, let, let me say this. If you're a born-again child of God, you're, you're God's child. And there's some things that in your life should not be for sale. Amen. Now, you can find shortcuts in this life, and you can find shortcuts to getting what you want. But let me tell you right now, you're not going to appreciate the end of it. You're not going to enjoy You're not going to be fulfilled in life when you take the shortcut. Um, and let me say this, this, this is not, there's no magic pill in the Christian life. I know preachers that struggle with this. You can't take shortcuts because you want to just get what you want out of this world and expect God to bless your life and for you to be happy. It's not going to happen. So, so Esau uh, comes in, he's tired and his brother goes, oh, I'll give it to you. And you know what Jacob's thinking? I want that. I want that. You know what Esau says? Look what he responds with. Look at verse number uh, 32. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? In other words, man, I don't care. I just need to eat. You know what he's saying? I need food. I need, watch it, meat. 
Remember what Jesus said? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Now, now you know what happens? Uh, look at verse 34, or verse 33. Jacob said, swear to me this day, and he sweared to him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Look at the end of verse number 34. I mean, he eats the bread, he eats the lentils, and then he rises up, and he goes his way, and the Bible says Esau despised him. It's almost like he ate all that food, and he just walked away. Like, he didn't even think twice about his birthright. Like, it was just like, whatever. I, I need this right now. Christian, can I ask you something? Do you ever sell out what God's going to give you long term for what you can get right now? Can I just warn you? That doesn't end well. Uh, look, if you would, at chapter number 27. Chapter 27. You say, what happens? Well, in chapter 27, I'm not going to read the whole story, but if you were to read it on your own, uh, Jacob steals the blessing after he... Now listen, I'm going to make this very clear. Jacob did not steal the birthright. You know what, you know what happened? Esau sold it. Everyone goes, e- if Jacob stole... No, 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 no. Jacob stole the blessing at the end of Isaac's life. He didn't steal the birthright. Esau, you did that. You sold that out. You know what I'm telling you, Christians? Don't sell out the eternal on the altar of the temporal. Don't say, well, this is what the world has to offer right now. Therefore, hey, you know what I'm trying to get you to understand? There's meat to eat that you know not of. There's a better life living in Christ. There's a more purposed life. There's a more fulfilled life. And I'm going to tell you right now, look, it's like, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but living for the world is like eating food at a Chinese restaurant. It tastes so good, but then an hour later, you're hungry again, yeah. <laughs> right? Versus Thanksgiving dinner that puts you in that food coma, right? That Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> is like living for Jesus Christ, right? And, and then you going and trying to get Panda Express when you ought to be eating something else. That's living for the world, right? And the idea is this, that you're never going to be fulfilled living on this side. You know why? Because this guy, all he ever cares about is getting what he can out of this world, this temporal life. And you know where you ought to be? You ought to be over here. I'm not saying to do it every which way that Jacob does it, but you ought to desire spiritual blessings. How about this? Jacob messes up because of how he does it. But do you know who shows up and does it the right way? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he wants? He wants spiritual blessings. He wants to do what the Father has sent him to do. Matter of fact, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in chapter 33 of Genesis, when Jacob and Esau meet again, Jacob does this whole, like, I'm going to put, like, these lines of my family members in front of me. Can you imagine, like, the family, uh, let's say you get together in, like, you know, family council night. You're like, okay, my brother who I stole the blessing from, we're going to meet him again, and he wants to talk to me, and I think he might want to kill me. So here's what we're going to do. You guys go first. (laughs) I mean, that's what he does. You guys go first, and then I, I like you guys a little bit more, so you go second. And Rachel, you're the best, so you go last. If he kills everybody else, hopefully he, don't, he won't get to you. I mean, this is how this guy thinks sometimes. And you know what? That is, that's a great picture of the flesh. But I do want to say this. Jacob understands that he took some things from his brother, and in order to make it right, he goes, Hey, hey, brother, here's some stuff that, that came from the blessing that I stole from you. And I messed up. You know what Esau's words are? And now look, I, 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 physically I kind of get it, but, but it's, it's a picture, it's a type of something. You know what Esau says? I have enough. Christian, if God's trying to give you something, you should never say, I've got enough. I don't mean like a Rolls Royce and a, and a mansion, and I'm not talking, I'm talking about he wants to give you more souls for Jesus Christ. He wants to give you a deeper walk with God. He wants to get you plugged in here. You shouldn't say, I've got to, I've got enough. The Lord's going, you know what your problem is? You don't have enough spiritual hunger for the things that matter. 
So you know what Jesus says? Go back to John chapter 4. Typology. Is this making a little bit of sense? All right. So some symbolism from the Old Testament. Uh, John chapter 4. Let's go back there. And uh, poor brother Caleb, every week I send him these slides and go, here's what we're going to cover. <laughs> and then we cover this much, right? Uh, look at John chapter 4. But I want you to get this. I really do want you to get a hold of this. If you're a born-again child of God, uh, you, you've got no business eating the pig slop. You know what the prodigal son does? He leaves his father's house, and he goes out into the field. He goes out into the world. And uh, you know what he ends up doing? He ends up consuming garbage diet. He ends up eating at the end, at the, at the end of, of where life will take you without God. He is on all fours. And here's a Jewish man who, by the way, they're a kosher diet. They don't eat pork. And here's this Jewish man on all fours, neat, you know, the, the mud and the mire coming up to here on him. And he's literally on all fours and he's down on his face eating the slop with the pigs. You guys, know, disgusting. You know what that is? That's you as a born again child of God trying to go to the world for fulfillment. You're not going to get it there. And if you're lost without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, you know what you might be thinking right now? I have been trying that. I've been trying the, the, the drugs. I've been trying the alcohol. I've been trying the parties. I've been trying the sex. I've been trying this. And it doesn't fulfill. You know what's going to fulfill you? Jesus Christ. Uh, look, look at John chapter 4. And look, if you would, at uh, oh, verse number 34. My meat. Jesus saying that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what is your meat? What gets you going in the morning? Christian, what is it you're going after? Don't misunderstand me. I didn't say like everyone needs to sell their stuff and like move to the mission field. We never said that. It's not in the passage. If God wants you to be a plumber, be the best plumber you can be. If God wants you to be a lawyer and make, you know, mm, you know, okay, fine. Praise the Lord. Just make sure you tithe. Amen. We need a new building. God's not against any of that. That's what God wants. But that should not be what you're geared towards. If God wants you to own a business, own a business. Do well. Make money. But that should not be what gets you up in the morning. What gets you up is, God, thank you for another day of life. I want to live this day for you. How can I do that? And at the end of my day, be fulfilled that I did what you asked me to do. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Look at uh, Luke chapter 4. We'll come right back to John. Luke chapter 4. See what happens in Luke chapter 4. Well, the Lord is tempted. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, look if you would at verse 2. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. You know what nothing means in the original Greek? You ready? Nothing. I know, and some of your Baptist minds are blown. You're like, how is someone eating nothing for 40 minutes? I mean, 40 days, right? I mean, and fasting's hard. Anybody here ever try to fast? Man, that is not, it is, you, you're like, I'm going to be a spiritual guy. I'm going to fast for a week. Slow down, slow your roll, son. Let, let's go, like, let's skip a meal. And then let's skip two, and then let's try a day without it. And then you're going to be like, man, I heard a preacher recently say he fasted once for a week. And he said, it was so bad. He was looking at Danny Lyons in a field. He's like, you know, with a little olive oil and some salt and pepper. <laughs> it's just like when, you're, when you go without food that long, man, it just does something in your flesh. Uh, but, but, but I want you to understand, Jesus Christ for 40 days and 40 nights, he went without food. And then the devil shows up at the end of that. 
And notice the first temptation. Look, if you would, at verse number three. What is the first temptation that comes his way? Has to do with food, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing? So he says, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And by the way, this temptation takes place before the conversation in John 4. So the Lord has been, he's been uh, through it. He has proven it. And he said, look, guys, I'm not going to go in a, he does not publish. Hey, everybody, I've been fasting for 40 days. Uh, Facebook, notice me. I'm going without food. Um, He doesn't do any of that stuff. It's not published. Until it's revealed in the scriptures, he doesn't even tell his disciples from what we can see. He simply does it. But later he tells him in John 4, I have meat. Listen, guys, I've gone 40 days and 40 nights. I can skip a meal. I'm more interested in this person getting truth and this city getting truth than I am this meal right now because I can eat later. I can fulfill my flesh, listen to me, later. What comes first is the spirit. Are you getting it now? Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Notice if you would, Galatians 5. And and notice uh, verse number 16. Went through this on Wednesday night. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's that battle. Look at verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You remember when he comes to them and, and, and says uh, uh, to his disciples, the flesh is, uh, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember that? You know what he does in another passage? He says, the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. You ever heard the saying, ready, willing, and able? You know what's missing? Able. You know who has to make you able? God. <laughs> it's ready and it's willing, but God, would you enable me? All right. Uh, notice what happens here in verse 17. These are contrary to one or the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Uh, do you remember when Paul in Romans 7 goes, the things that I would not, those things I do, and the things that I would, those things I do not? Oh, wretched man. Anybody relate to that? Man, like the stuff, uh, Brother Thomas, thank you for that raised hand. Brother Thomas relates to that. Anybody else relate to that? Okay, all right. So, so basically, you know what you have? You've got this old man fighting everything God wants, and the old man says, I need to fulfill myself, and I need it right now. I was literally driving. I'm not making this up. We were driving yesterday on, uh, I forget what road it was, but I remember telling my wife, I said, don't look over, but literally, I'm sitting at the red light, and I think the guy next to me was in a rush, and the, the light wasn't turning. The guy literally does this. And then I just barely glanced, and he kind of noticed I was going to sneeze. <laughs> y- you know what we want? We want it, and we want it now. And that's the flesh. And the Lord says, you can go without. Now, now, Christian, let me say this. You know what God will do this week? I promise you this. You know what some of you are going to do? You go, God, would you make me more like Jesus? Okay, that's a good prayer. But if you ask God to do it, he's going to put you in situations where he's going to say, okay, here's your chance. So you know what's going to happen? The Lord's going to say it's lunchtime, and then someone at work's going to go, what'd you do over the weekend? And your spirit's going to go, tell them about church, tell them about how you got saved, and the flesh's going to go, but I need to eat. You know what's going to happen? Uh, it's going to be 5 o'clock, and you're ready to go home, and someone's going to say, yeah, didn't you, don't you have like some kind of Bible thing on your car? And you know what you can do? Yep, I sure do. See you tomorrow, buddy. And the Spirit of God's going to go, okay, this is your chance. And you're going, but I've got to get through traffic. But I, and the Lord's going, yeah, but what about this? And this is what happens in your life all the time. You know what I'm trying to get you to understand? 
This is not a particular battle that you're experiencing by yourself. You're not alone. The Lord did this, and he showed us how to handle it the right way. You know how you handle it the right way? You tell yourself over and over and over and over, I'm not going to limit myself to just what my flesh wants from this world. I'm going to let God take me a little bit further than where I'm at right now. If that means I inconvenience my flesh, and that means I say no to the world so that I can see something that God does that is supernatural in the life of somebody else, and God, listen to me, what an amazing thought this is. God wants to use me to do that. He doesn't need me. He could use somebody else. He's a lot, he has privileged me to have this opportunity to reach somebody else. I am going to take it. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, um, the Lord Jesus Christ does not die a victim. He lays down his life. But you know what his life is at the end? It's a very fulfilled life. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Is this making sense this morning? Where are you at? Are, are, you, are you more along the lines of where Jesus is at? Have you gotten there yet? Are you, are you pursuing that? I'll say it that way. Or is it more about Esau? Is it more about, well, I need to eat. I need to eat right now. I need this. I need it right now. I, I'm going to go pursue this, and, and God can wait. God will wait. God will be there. Hey, let me tell you something. God will always be there if you're a child of God. And you know what happens if you're lost? You know what you say sometimes? I'll get saved next week. I'll get saved tomorrow. I'll get saved tomorrow. I'll get saved tomorrow. And you know what eventually happens? Take your last breath and you die without Jesus Christ. And you cross that valley of the shadow of death by yourself and you drop into a place called hell and you never get out. You know why? Because you kept saying tomorrow when the Spirit of God was saying, now let's do this. This is where you're going to be fulfilled. And if you're not lost and you're saved, you know how it works in your life? The illustration I gave earlier, God's going to say, hey, now is the time to eat that spiritual meat. Forget about the physical meat for a little bit. That's always going to be there. You are always going to have another chance to fulfill your flesh. Can I get a witness on that? But some of these opportunities that God puts in your life, they may not come again. All right, look at John chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. You know what the Lord is trying to get us to do? To get our eyes off of ourselves. Because he's talking to the disciples, and they're going, well, don't you, did you not eat? And he's, he's going, yeah, I'll take care of that later. But guys, look over here. And oftentimes, the issue that we have, keep your hand there, but go to Hebrews chapter 12. One of the biggest challenges you're going to have in your life is where you put your eyes. Do you know uh, that before Lot, I mean, think about Sodom and Gomorrah, the, 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 the connection that, that those cities have when, with judgment in the Bible and how Jesus by himself, by the way, Jesus references Sodom and Gomorrah in the New Testament. All right, So, so th- these places that receive the judgment of God, all right, you say, well, w- what happened here? Well, fire was rained down from heaven. Well, I don't believe that. You can believe whatever you want, but the book says it. Uh, I, I believe, uh, listen, I'm an American. I don't believe I should control what you think and what you say. I, I, I believe this. If you want to be a, you say, I'm a frog. Knock yourself out. I watched a video where a lady's upset because she took her husband to the veterinarian because he believes he's a cat. And the vet, that's funny. Sonia, you got it. That's, that's. So, and the guy, and, and she was upset because the, the doctor, the vet goes, I can't help him because he's got human anatomy. And she goes, whatever that means, lady, it's called science. Uh, we, live, we live in a weird time. But look, if you want to call yourself a cat, knock yourself out. What I have a problem is where you say, I have to call you a cat. All right. So, so look, you don't have to believe the Bible if you don't want to, but it doesn't change what the book is. All right. Uh, so look at Hebrews 12. Look, if you would, at verse number two. Just the first three words of verse 2. 
You know, if you look at Jesus long enough, do you know what you'll find? You'll find someone that's always looking to serve others. When he says, look at the harvest, you know what you're really doing? You're looking at him, looking at that. You know how the Lord looks at the harvest? He goes, what are we going to do about that? You know what God the Father said? I'll tell you what we're going to do about that. We're going to send my son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the son comes down and he goes, Father, how do we, how do, we do this? I, I, I'll lay down my life. And he lays down his life. And, and for the last 2,000 years, he's been peering over the precipice of glory going, what are we going to do about that harvest? And you know who has a part in that? And he says, hey, you want to get in on the real stuff? You want to get on the real, real Christian living? Get your eyes in the right place. Look into Jesus. You know what Jesus is concerned about? The souls of men. Amen. You know what? I, I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't know any real Christians that are following Jesus Christ very closely who don't at least attempt to look at the harvest and go, what can I do about that? There's a couple ways to look at it. Number one, it doesn't matter what I do. And the Lord says that's not right. Number two is this. Uh, I'm too busy. You know what that is? Esau. You know the other one is? Someone else will take care of it. And you know what happens when you live that way as a Christian? You miss out on the rewards that God wants for you. You know what people are? I'll be honest with you. People are, man, they're hard. They're hard to help sometimes. They're hard to deal with. But can I say this? It's also glorious to watch somebody get saved. And it's glorious to watch them walk with Jesus Christ. And it's glorious to watch their life change. You don't get that blessing without going through the challenges first. You go, I just want people to get saved and live a perfect Christian life and not cause me any trouble. Okay, then don't do anything. But if you're going to get involved where God wants you to get involved, you know what you're going to do? You're going to look at the harvest and go, where can I, what can I do? We drive, we live out east and sometimes you drive by those wheat, heart, those wheat fields and just see the, the wind blowing like this. And you see those, those grains just go like this. And sometimes, you know what I think of? I think of people without Jesus Christ. You know what they're doing? They're just blowing with the wind. They don't know what their life is about. They don't know why they're here. They don't know where they're going. And you know what the Lord's saying? I want you to get involved in that harvest. So Christian, will you do that this week? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for the chance to study your word. Lord, uh, didn't get as far as we planned. And I'm sure you're not surprised by that. It seems my church is not surprised by that. I should not be surprised by that. But Lord, uh, I thank you for the chance to just get in it. Lord, I pray that you would bless it. Lord, help us to chew on it. Think about it and uh, do something with it. Lord, bless the next hour we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take about a five-minute break right there.